Welcome to No Heart Left Behind's Hope in the Heart of Family Life podcast. I'm your host and executive director of No Heart Left Behind, Alicia Stickles. If we're honest, family life can be hard. Family can be our greatest blessing, but also the source of our deepest wounds. At No Heart Left Behind, we have a passion to empower families to thrive with the Word of God and the love of Christ. So each week, we're going to have real conversations about hard issues facing families today. It is our hope that you would be equipped with practical tools based on biblical principles for when life happens and relationships get messy. In other words, how do we flesh out all those Bible verses we know when life isn't looking like we had hoped? If you're in a season of family life that feels hopeless or you have a heart to navigate the challenges of family well, but just don't know how, you're in the right spot. So whether you are driving in your car or checking off one of your honeydews, pop in those earbuds and come find hope in the heart of family life with us. Welcome friends to another episode of No Heart Left Behind's Hope in the Heart of Family Life. My name is Alicia. I am the host and it is Valentine's Day. And so I thought it would be a fun way to celebrate Valentine's Day by inviting our favorite, somewhat becoming resident board certified sex therapist and uh, LMFT, uh, Ashley Mossy. So Ashley, thanks for coming back on the show. Yeah, I'm happy to be here. You are so fun to talk to. You really are the mo- one of the most interesting conversations that- I, um, Yeah, I definitely don't have a boring job. We'll say no, that. No, no. Um, I love what you said. Um, I can't remember when you said it, but you were talking about it was like a plane trip, like when you tell people on planes what you do. And oh, I don't tell people on planes what I do. I actively lie about it. Um, <laughs> otherwise, I get in. I, I learned this from experience. I get into some really uncomfortable conversations with strangers, <laughs> and I'm an introvert, so I um, usually like vaguely say you know, I'm a mental health or I stay home with my kids or, you know, I I don't tell people. (laughs) Really? Okay. But there was like a story that you, I don't know. It was like something about people's reactions when you say, I can't remember. Yeah. Yeah. When I'm like, you know, um, like when I'm at my husband's work events or when I'm like meeting new people at church and they're like, what, this happened yesterday of a mom at preschool um was like oh what do you do and I was like I'm a sex and relationship therapist and she's like <laughs> oh <laughs> she doesn't know where to go from there I'm sure uh, now it just stresses people out <laughs> yeah totally totally well it is Valentine's Day so happy Valentine's Day yeah. yes I know I feel like there's like a whole spectrum of people's perspective about that holiday, um, which we're, we're kind of in some like roundabout way going to talk about a little bit, but, um, so I thought it would be fun before we kind of jump into our conversation. Cause today we're going to be talking about the importance of connection and, um, you know, keeping, keeping that relationship between a husband and a wife, just fresh and thriving and all that kind of stuff. But I thought before we did that, it would be fun to do a Valentine's Day edition of this or that. So we can get to know what Ashley Mossy, the sex therapist, likes on Valentine's Day. So it's like very (laughs) PG, obviously. (laughs) So, okay. So I'm just going to do this or that. And 
you know, you're forced to pick one, even if okay. you don't like either of them. Lay okay. All right. So first one, roses or chocolate? I hate roses. I love chocolate. Okay. Um, Dine-in date or go out? Go out, not on Valentine's Day. Do like the day before. Okay. I don't want Just because of the... Oh, then you miss all the crowds and all the yes. like gouged pricing. It's great. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Good call. Um, okay. This is a very important one. Conversation hearts or Smarties? You know what I'm talking about? Like the little hearts. Yeah. With the... Oh yeah. Conversation hearts taste like chalk. So I'm going to go with Smarties. <laughs> Good choice. Um, all right. This one's a little bit easier. Um, Hershey's Kisses or the Reese's Hearts, the Reese's Peanut oh, Butter Cup Reese's Hearts. All the way. Absolutely. I knew I liked you. All right. You're halfway there. Um, gift giving or quality time? Um, both. Okay. <laughs> I, I like a little treat. I like to get a little gift. Yes. I speak all the love languages. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. The Notebook or You've Got Mail? uh you've got mail okay um at last by etta james or i will always love you by whitney houston oh whitney houston she's yeah. such a queen and you were a singer back in the day too oh like, i mean kind of can we too. add that no you don't give yourself enough props for that but like, i like recently learned did you know that dolly parton wrote that song i will always love you yeah Yes. In the same 10 minutes as she wrote Jolene, like icon, just queen, queen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I totally knew that. I didn't realize that they wrote it at the same time. That's interesting. Okay, two more. Um, rom-com or suspense thriller? Oh, I am a big, big chicken. I cannot watch anything remotely suspenseful. So I'll go rom-com all day. Okay, last one funny card or sentimental funny yeah i'm totally i don't like mushy kind of, i'm a i like roll my eyes a little bit at right. like super sappy stuff and my husband is so sappy okay i i am in the so. same boat and like i try to be appreciative of it oh gosh he's yeah. probably listening to this podcast right now <laughs> and he's never gonna send me a sappy card again I but know. i am the same way i am just like I can't do the sentiment. He loves them. And he spends like copious amounts of time picking out the card. I know. My husband is like, why don't you like romance? I'm like, I just, I have a really low tolerance for cheese. Yes. <laughs> same girl, same. Mm -hmm. Anyway, so that um, that's kind of where I want to jump into our conversation today is like, you know, Valentine's Day, it, you know, it's representative of like love and all those like, you know, cheesy. I mean, obviously, I mean, my opinion, obviously, it's a hallmark holiday. Totally. Um, but, you know, just some of the principles and ideas that I think people feed into is just that, you know, romance, butterfly love, um, kind of all of the things that you see in the movies and, you know all the romancing and, and, and that's awesome. Like it really is. Um, but I think what I want to talk about today is like the, the sustained connection, because, you know, I'm sure a lot of people listening have been, you know, married for a couple of years and maybe for those couples that are kind of coming out of that, like 
I guess it's called the honeymoon phase, you know, mm -hmm. where everything is perfect and there's just romance and butterflies and you know what I'm talking about. All of the things that Valentine's Day represents and and maybe at a point where, um, you know, it feels maybe a little stale or like the connection. And, and then you start wondering, OK, what's wrong with me? Is something wrong with my relationship? Because I don't have all these like romantic butterfly feelings. Does that make sense what I'm saying oh. here? Mm -hmm. And so I, I just want to talk today just about maintaining connection, um, the kind of the natural, you know, developmental stages of a relationship, because I think some people out there might be thinking, oh, there's something wrong with my relationship. And then we look around at all of the stuff that culture kind of puts in our path and we think, oh, yeah, there's really something wrong and then we start to compare and it's just toxic. So um, give us your thoughts on that. <laughs> yeah. So I think not only is the loss of butterflies uh, normal, I think it's developmentally necessary. Hmm. So, like, can, can you imagine being like in the throes of young, obsessive love every day for the rest of your life? We would literally, we would never get anything done. You can't <laughs> work or raise children or go to the grocery store. Like you can't <laughs> do anything. You'd just be, you know, listening to sappy songs in the car and sending sad texts and staring into your partner's eyes. Like we just can't stay there. That's right, right. Yeah, not like life happens. <laughs> correct. Um, And so that like, that early stage romantic love gets so much attention because there's a lot of anxiety that goes along with it. And so it puts you in this very um, free falling state where your toes are constantly curled over the edge of the cliff. And is this going to go okay or is it not? Um, and part of growing older in a relationship with someone is that um, ideally you lose some of that anxiety and that's yeah. you can't walk around anxious forever wondering do they love me do they not you know so I, it gets a lot of attention because um it's for the youths um mostly you know yeah. unless you're someone who's experiencing a, a second marriage or, or a marriage later in life um but even then it's not going to look like it would have if you were 18 19 20 um so there's there's, you can Google all over the internet and find like different phases of marriage. And, um, there's two models that I, I like a lot. I like a lot. And the, the first one is just three stages. It's number one, romantic love. Number two, disillusionment and distraction. Number <laughs> three, dissolution, meaning you end the marriage adjustment with resignation or adjustment with contentment. Mm. Those are ultimately your three choices. You can split up. You can adjust and be mad about it, or you can make adjustments and find contentment. Yeah. Um, but this idea of like disillusionment and distraction, that is coming for every marriage because mm -hmm. life happens and that's so normal. Um, there's another one that has like seven stages, a little bit more built out. So it's like the, the honeymoon where, you know, it's, it's either the couple of years leading up to the marriage 
um, or it's the couple of years right after. Um, but either way, it, it's like a year or two. Everything's good. You're so sure that this is like your person that's going to complete you and everything is great. Um, and life has not come at you yet. You don't have aging parents. You don't yeah. have teenagers that are, you know, trying stuff that they shouldn't be. You don't have babies. Like it's just your responsibilities are few and the romance feels high. Um, not everyone has a honeymoon phase, by the way. And there's nothing oh. with your marriage if you didn't. Um, but after that comes this um, realization and conflict stage. And this is like roughly from years two to 10. Um, and it's basically, I call it the, wait a second, phase where you're looking at your partner going, what? <laughs> um, yeah. Hang, hang on. This is not what I signed up for. Why yeah. are you like that? Um, and you see your differences more clearly in this realization phase. It Communication gets harder. What was working before is starting not to work anymore. Um, and then that leads in the conflict stage where not only are you seeing the differences, but they actively are making you mad. Right. Um, actively annoying. You. Yeah. And this is honestly where I feel like just this is where the enemy gets in there and just like yeah. starts driving that wedge between right. the two so of you. Typically, this is when you're going to find yourself in a therapist's office because right. they so strongly not working and it is such a sharp aggravation that uh a lot of couples go "Ooh, we might need some help um yeah. this is also when you're gonna see like that you know people talk about like seven-year itch um this is when affairs become just much more compelling uh because this person that you thought all your hopes and dreams were pinned on is now disappointing you and failing you i'm using my quote hands right you. yes uh, yeah a person and, yeah um and it, all of a sudden it becomes a lot more appealing to kind of like look around and be like well maybe I married the wrong person maybe actually right. this person or ooh, my like gym crush gives me butterflies so maybe that's a sign that I'm not in love with my husband anymore and you know whatever no it's just like what novelty does to the brain you're at this point in a relationship a lot of the initial bump of um happy chemicals like serotonin dopamine they're they're normal and even yeah. normal if you have children because marital satisfaction decreases quite a bit yeah when you have young children and it goes back up but a lot of people don't realize that this phase of um aggravation and disappointment is normal and mm. Yeah. Because over the course of a marriage. So when people talk about like, oh, mon you know, monogamy, I can't imagine being with one person for the rest of my life. And I'm, I'm going, well, I've been with my husband for 17 years and I feel like I have been with at least four distinct versions of who he <laughs> is. And I would hope that I am married to four or five more versions, you know, over the course of the next, you know, 20 years, because if you're not growing, you're dying, you know, yeah. we are sort of participating in the transformative work of Jesus, not to like get too churchy too early, but, um, you I don't should think that's, I don't think that's churchy. <laughs> <laughs> you should be changing as a person, um, and your spouse should be changing. And so you should be constantly getting to know different versions of them and renegotiating just a, a different marriage. Um, right. so, Monogamy is not boring um, no. if you are having your eyes open to the fact that you are different and the person you're married is different. 
yeah. um, kind of a segue, but uh, then after this like realization and conflict stage comes this cooperative phase where you've kind of renegotiated through some of the conflict and you've found new ways of being married that are working for you. And usually at this point, like your kids are a little bit older, so they're not, you're not in that like baby making phase. Yeah. Well, so hard and stressful all the time. Um, and it's different issues with older kids, but they don't physically need you um, yeah. bodily as much. Um, the, the pitfall in there is that you become only teammates and kind of neglect being friends and lovers. Um, yeah. Like you, we're, you know, strangely, I have a 13 year old now. I cannot believe that, but cause I still in my head, they're like little babies that physically right. all the time they don't, <laughs> but, um, that's where we struggle with our connection yeah. is just like, I mean, three boys, even if they all just had one activity, you know, that one activity that they each do probably mm -hmm. involves at least three or four touch points a week. Right. And so it's, we do, we find ourselves in, you know, that, that season of life where we are, it is huddle up, who's mm -hmm. going where and taking who to practice and this, right. that, and the other. And I don't find that like, you know, I'm sure other people would say differently, but like, like I said, even if they're all just in like one activity, I mean, that's yeah, times that's, three. That's nine to 12 nights a week. Yeah. It's <laughs> just not possible. <laughs> the math is not mathing. Yeah. And uh, so it's, it's again, connection. It just, it kind of, um, it, we fall into that rut of becoming teammates and just, you know, house managers, as opposed to finding time to connect and be spouses and lovers and all that. And then even when we do, I'll even go as far as say this, and maybe you can even speak into it. When we do actually find that time, um, it can feel weird sometimes yeah. is that yeah. like, I need a session. Like maybe is that weird? Like, you know, no, no, okay. that's so <laughs> normal. It's so normal because um, it like in that phase where you're kind of just doing the logistics of life together because you've you're both working jobs and you've got kids that are needing to be driven places and there's just it is so logistically oriented mm -hmm. and um I think it becomes really hard so like if you are um if you are making spaghetti for dinner and you're starting from a cold pot, it takes forever to get the water warm. But like if you had kept that pot just on like a low simmer all day and then you turn it up and get it to boil really quickly. So in, in the, like the logistics years, mm -hmm. uh, it is a little bit like having a cold pot. Mm. And so I struggle because I, there are a lot of therapists and, uh, self-help people and speakers that will be like, well, here's what you need to do in order to get your pot simmering and keeping it simmering all the time. Get um, your love tank filled. Yeah. So my, I, I get why that's a good idea. And my experience is that it makes a lot of people feel really hopeless because they're mm -hmm. like, I don't have time to do that. Like we don't yeah. have time to do weekly date nights. We don't have, have time to you know, schedule sex three nights a week. We don't have time. Like, and so then it makes you feel like a secondary failure. And so I've just found that to not be super helpful. What I have found helpful is, um, this idea that if you're, if your marriage is a bank account, 
right? And there are seasons where you are putting a lot of deposits in, and there are seasons where you're having to take a lot of money out right? and, or uh, emotional currency out, um, to focus on your kids or to focus on a job or like whatever. To me, the key is not to be like, okay, we need to have connection points just like when we had no children and feel as connected now as we did then, because the reality is your relationship has been through some stuff. It should be able to handle some more wear and tear than it did when you had been married for two years and didn't know each other very well and didn't have a lot of time and trust proved out. Um, so in some ways it's like, Hey, your, your net has gotten stronger and it can hold more tension. And that's okay because Mm. you are this point with kids where, um, there's, there's just a lot going on. And so it's okay that you are able to withstand more tension and that you are going through a season where you are withdrawing more than you're necessarily putting in. The goal is to not let that season just go forever. Mm. And so it's the idea. I, I love encouraging couples to have kind of an annual check-in point to say, okay, last to kind of look at uh, last year, we were gone with the children six nights a week. We can't keep doing that and expect to still know each other when these children leave the house in 12 years. Yeah. Uh, So what are we going to do differently this year? And it's not like a, it's, I think sometimes people feel like they have to overhaul their whole lives and that's not realistic, right? It, it may be as simple as, you know what, we're instituting, um, upstairs time for the kids starting at eight 30 every, you know, on weekday nights or whatever, so that me and my spouse have a chance to catch up. Or, um, I loved this example. So my parents, when I was a kid, my dad would get home and then under penalty of death, basically (laughs) we're not allowed to interrupt. They would go sit on the porch with a glass of wine for 30 minutes from like, you know, six to six 30. And we were not allowed out on that porch unless someone was actively like bleeding from an artery. Um, <laughs> and we knew that. Yeah. And, knew that. and it was their touch point before we then had to do sort of second shift of youth group and sports activities and blah, 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 blah. Um, so they got to connect with each other before then giving the rest to yeah. us. I always thought that that was such a, a cool thing. And even as a kid, it was like a very safe feeling thing to be like, oh, my parents like each other. My parents yeah. want to be together with each other and they are prioritizing their relationship. That's really helpful for kids to see. So it doesn't have to be like a, maybe you can't afford a babysitter date night every single week, but right. maybe you decide that you have a night where the TV doesn't go on. And you are putting your phones away for two hours and you're having conversation then, or you're connecting at that point. Um, So it doesn't have to be huge, but to me in that phase where everything is about logistics and frankly, the shape of your life really needs you to function well as teammates. Yeah. Don't think it's wise to just disparage that and be like, no, we should figure out how to be, you know, intensely lovers. I I think that's just not the season. And like, what a wonderful thing that marriage is supposed to last a lifetime because you will only be in that 
logistically insane season for 10 to 15 years out of what is hopefully a 50 or 60 year marriage. Yeah. It's, it's, they're really intense years, but it's a, it's not so long in the span of how long you hope your marriage lasts. Yeah. And the, the word that comes to mind, you know, um, is just, it. well, two things. One, just the intentionality of that, of like, like you said, there's not like a set thing that works because I mean, I was so resonating with what you were saying about the date night thing. It, it I mean, it is discouraging, like for someone, you know, like us who are in a season where it's like, that is not possible every week. Mm-hmm. Um, no. But finding, being intentional and purposeful about saying, okay, this doesn't work for us, but what does work for our relationship? Like we were, Carrie and I, where we kind of came to a place where it was like, okay, nights are out. Like we just, we cannot, date night is a farce. Like that doesn't, whoever is doing date night every week, like high five to you. But one thing that we were, we realized is like, man, if the kids are at school, like, you know, we don't have a lot. We, and so again, I don't know if this is good, but like, you know, Carrie has come upon some like um, extra days off at work, you know, so for us, and this doesn't work for everybody, but like once a month or so ish, like he'll, you know, he'll take the day off and we can, and I clear my schedule that day and we get like a lot of dates in, in one, you know, but it's, it's, it's that currency you were talking about, like for us, that works of filling that emotional currency and putting deposits into our marriage um, that, you know, kind of get us until the next time we can do it. So So like rather than putting in $200 every week, you guys are once a month putting in a thousand dollars and that works. And so I think there's just a lot of creativity to be had, but I think especially just in like church context where we're already all bound up in the things should look like this big on shoulds. I think Mm -hmm. we get a little stressed out when it's not this uh, structure of weekly date nights right we are scheduling sex for x amount of times and um yeah i i think i just would encourage people to look at your actual life and look at the actual person you are and the actual person you're married to and figure out what is a way that we can deposit some emotional currency into our marital bank account in this season of pandemonium Mm -hmm. with and aging parents and jobs and whatever, what does that actually look like for us? The best habits are the ones you can actually keep. Yeah. So <laughs> I wanted to go back. So, um, cause you know, you have three littles at home that are younger than mine. Well, our, my youngest and your oldest are about the same age. Um, but like, so what is that? If you don't mind me asking, like, what does that look like in, in your house, like you and your husband just making, cause I mean, I'm kind of on the older side where we're doing the, mm-hmm. ah, you're um, still kind of in yeah. the physically they need me kind of stage. Yeah. So what are yes. some things that you and your husband do? So we've, we've done different things over the course of like, cause we're just, we're like exiting the childbearing years. And so we've kind of been in that space where a lot of it we're home a lot we're not like necessarily out doing activities but um the physical toll is so exhausting and so we've done different things but um we 
try to once a year get a trip, just the two of us, um, even if it's like 48 hours, 24 hours, you know, but we try to do that at least once a year, which just the two of us. And so we bank vacation days for that. Um, roughly once a month, we try to have, or maybe twice a month, we try to actually go out of the house, um, to hire a babysitter and go do the whole thing. And we do it in the format of having the babysitter come from like 4.30 to 7.30. Um, so you don't have to do bedtime. <laughs> that is the winner. A friend of mine in Atlanta introduced this to me that she and her husband would hire a babysitter like every Wednesday night or every Saturday night from 4.30 to 7.30. And the sitter would bathe the kids, put them to bed, and then they would come home and like have their TV time with each other. <laughs> and I'm like, that's genius. Why are we paying babysitters to sit on the couch and watch Netflix? Um so we try to do that a couple of times a month. And then um, we try to reserve one night a week where we put away phones and we don't watch TV. And so um, that has worked for us in this season. Another thing that we've done before is like, we don't like in seasons where work was really busy. We didn't necessarily have that, but we would take our baby monitor with us and walk up and down our street um, at night for 20 minutes before we hmm. went to bed and just debrief with each other on the day. Um, so yeah, just different things for different- I love the creativity. Like that's really yeah. what I'm drawing out of this conversation is, you know, because I, I think what you said was so powerful is like couples get it, have these expectations and impressions of what, what it has to look like. You know, right. like it should look like connection should look like this and that. And a lot of times that's like, you know, a a mask or like what they're seeing on TV, TV mm -hmm. and that's their that's their standard. And so like right. when my relationship doesn't look like this, something's wrong with it. But like just the creativity that goes into creating time for connection, that's mm -hmm. that's the important part is finding, you know, what works for and what connection actually looks like, you know, um, yeah. what do you feel like? Cause I feel like this season is, is where marriages really kind of get into trouble or can't ha yeah. have the potential yeah. to, you know, like they, they kind of have that, like the phrase we always hear is like, I love them, but I'm not in love with them yeah. phrase. Um, and so what do you see like as a counselor are some of the the dynamics or the issues that kind of I guess get couples in trouble mm -hmm. so a big part of it is just losing each other inside of the logistics um right because there's a balance of you know yes you're in a more logistical season and I think it is okay to surrender to that a little bit and don't let that season become lifetime habit Mm. Um, and don't forget to keep putting deposits into your emotional bank account, even when it feels weird. I love how you talked about like, when we do, we're like, what do we do with our hands? Like, <laughs> I don't know what to do with my hands. I can talk you about know? the schedule, but I right. don't know what else to do. <laughs> right. Because you get out of habit. And I, I've talked about it before of like physically taking off my mom brain and mm. having to put my like human brain back on because so often when you're a parent it, that is so um 
consuming or taking off my work brain and just putting on my friend brain. And um, so I, yeah, I think some of it is just paying attention to how long is this season lasting and Mm. are there ways where you can reconnect even if it feels weird. But I would say the biggest thing that I see is couples stop having fun and stop trying new things. Mm. If you think about early dating years, you were, everything's new because you don't know this person. And so every time you are going somewhere or doing something or going out on a date, like it's the first time it's new and there our brains are addicted to novelty. And so we can kind of pack it a little bit. Um, again, you are not supposed to go back to how you felt about your partner when you were engaged. You know what I mean? Like that's not, yeah. that is, let me just, that's never going to happen. You will never feel like that again mourn it and move on. Right. <laughs> you are a, a grown up now and you are going to have grown up love and there that is so much more rich and satisfying than the um like quick dopamine hit of young romantic love. Yeah. Um, so yeah, however, if you are all work and logistics and no fun and no play yeah, no wonder I see so many couples being like, "I it's boring. Our our sex life is boring. We never have anything to talk about. We like whatever." I I cannot tell you the amount of couples that I have prescribed in therapy to go spend a night at a um like a bumper car thing or an arcade or to go play laser tag because yeah. I'm like you guys need to re get in touch with your fun muscles. Yeah. Um, if you are not, um, if every date night looks like sitting on the couch and watching your favorite show, go get tickets to like a comedian you've never heard before. Go on a walk, go get a, uh, like one of those, you know, film cameras, the like disposable things and go, mm-hmm dumb pictures of each other go to goodwill and pick out an outfit for each other like do something dumb mm-hmm. together <laughs> i love it make dumb choices together <laughs> <laughs> because if you can have fun you so first of all the chemicals i literally i told a couple one time that i needed them on their next half they they would like have a half day off that when i lived in atlanta i was like you guys need to go to six flags And you need to ride as many roller coasters as you can together. And they came back like completely different people in their marriage because they had just remembered that they can do stuff together that isn't serious or weighty or logistically oriented. We've got to have fun. And it is so good to go out to dinner and have those sweet times of connection. That doesn't count as fun. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't count. So you need to somehow be introducing little bits of novelty and little bits of just little kid type fun. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's so good. And I think, boring. you know, well, yeah. And I think what, what you're talking about too, just reminds me of like, you know, so many times, like you were saying, monogamy and um, marriage gets like a bad rap and it's so hard and it is hard, Um, but there's so much beauty in that kind of, you alluded to it a little bit earlier and I want to bring you back to it. There's so much beauty in adult love and, and how it reflects 
um, the love that God has for his kids. So could you just, as we kind of wrap up our time, like, could you talk a little bit about that, like the beauty of how that relationship develops and it's really good and it's rich because I just don't think, I don't think we camp there enough. Yeah. So I would like to assign every married person that is like kind of struggling with the married doldrums. You need to go find someone who is actively dating right now. And you need to interview them about what it is actually like, because our memories hold on to the good and we forget all the hard stuff. Mm -hmm. And if you spend 10 minutes talking to someone who is actively dating, what you are going to hear is, I just want what you have. Mm. I want the stability. I want the reassurance. I want the experience of sharing my life with someone of having the same experiences of, you know, um, the expression of you can't make old friends. Uh, you can't make, you can't marry an old spouse, you know? And so, um, those shared experiences are so wonderful. And all we remember is like, well, I don't feel butterflies anymore. It's like, well, cause you're not anxious anymore. You trust this person and they trust you and you are um, committed to each other. And that's, that's what everyone is seeking. You have what everyone wants. Yeah. The, yeah. The grass always looks green on the other side. I get that. But the reality is, is can we romanticize the life we're actually living? Can we put, can, can you like pretend your life is a movie and you are in the phase of like, you know, when the epilogue hits of your like little romance book and you're like, Mm -hmm. and everything is good now and no one is stressed anymore. And you know, like you're kind of in that and yes, real life and yes, kids and yes, things happen. Um, but you have gained trust and experience with someone that is quite literally irreplaceable. Mm. You could marry someone, you could divorce and get married tomorrow and you wouldn't be able to start back at jump. This person has known you and watched you change. That is so valuable. Yeah. Um, and and I think it just kind of reflects uh, my one of my favorite things about God recently is that God is not insecure. And I think that's what we move towards in our marriages and being in this place where we are no longer insecure and we just deeply trust our partner's um, presence and love and respect in our lives. Um, And I, I think that's kind of the beauty of mature love. And it is not the flash in the pan, everything sparkly thing of young love. Um, but man, you couldn't pay me enough to go back. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I think, uh, so my, uh, the last thing I want to say is just, you know, for those people, you know, because that would be lovely just in terms of, I, I guess what I'm trying to say is, is that for those people out there that are feeling very like disconnected or bored or discouraged in their marriage, like what would you, and, you know, barring like trauma and abuse and like, sure. obviously yes. that is a whole nother. Yes. That's not, that's different, but right. just like that that's kind of, mean, right. Um, kind of just mundane, stale mm-hmm. feeling in your relationship. Yeah. What would your encouragements be to those people? So yes, I, I'm thankful for your caveat. Like 
we don't, you, you do not need to um, be practicing vulnerability in a marriage that is actively harming you. Yes. Um, don't need to do that. Find a therapist. Like, yes. This, not, stop <laughs> listening. this doesn't apply to you. Right. Um, so uh, I would say, number one, what you are feeling is so normal. It's so normal. And it's not an indication that you are with the wrong person or that you got married too young or whatever. Um, there's no such thing as soulmates. You can really make a marriage work with like pretty much anyone. Um, it's normal. So just sit with that for a minute. It doesn't indicate that something is um, terminally or fatally wrong with your marriage. Number two, pay attention to it because it does probably mean that there are some needs that are going unmet. Maybe the need is for some novelty or some excitement. Maybe the need is for some connection where you aren't feeling like you're having any. Um, so I, I would ask the question, if you are stuck in, um, if you feel stuck, if you feel like this relationship that I had such high hopes for is so unsatisfying, ask yourself what that is saying about what you are needing. Um, what would you hope that this would look like? I think sometimes we are so afraid of um, what the answers might be that we don't really touch on it at all other than to be like, I'm unhappy, but not digging in deeper to figure yeah. out, well, what does that, what does that mean? Mm -hmm. um, and then the third thing that I would say is, this is the best news, is that you get to change it. You don't have to stay in that, rut. Um, you really don't, you are kind of in control of your destiny, you and your partner. Um, and even if you are married to someone who's like, it's fine. I don't have a need to like, I don't see, we don't need to change anything. The cool thing is, is that if one person in the dance starts dancing differently, the dance changes. So mm. you have control no matter what you don't yeah. have control of how your partner responds, but you have control over whether or not you continue along the same path or you decide to do something different. Um, the bad news about that is it is not easy or accidental. So it requires a lot of intention and a lot of time um, thinking about what you would like to be different and figuring out ways to get there. I can't um, encourage you enough to find a therapist if you are in this phase of um I I love him but I'm not in love with him um, yeah because that is the easiest phase to get out of it right. is so easy to bring that spark back I can't even tell you don't get to the point where you no longer love or like him <laughs> yes well and do, I do, do yeah and one thing I have to say that you know, has really helped me in seasons where like just kind of starting to feel that still, like I, I mean, how much like prayer, um, you know, kind of comes into that for me. It's like, you know, cause we think, I don't know, I, I don't, this could be me, but sometimes I feel like I don't like God's too busy to worry about that. But like actually say like being real and transparent with the Lord of like, Lord, I'm feeling so disconnected from my spouse right now. And I, I mm -hmm. pray for, you know, what are more connection, more intimacy, more passion for him. And it's just, 
I just find that when I am transparent and real enough to name to the Lord what I'm feeling, um, it's interesting how he bring he just brings about and orchestrates, whether it's like conversations or he'll point out stuff about me and my heart that's like, this is actually why you feel disconnected from your husband. It ain't him. It's you, you know, right. kind of thing. And just yeah. because our marriage is so much about our refinement, too. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. Yeah, just all so of those often, things. So often when we are bored in our marriages um because I, I work with couples and now I this is a pretty frequent thing of like this, I, this is just really it's like really stale and really boring and most of the time my question is have you become boring right <laughs> because sometimes it sucks yes <laughs> sometimes yes. it's not that our spouse has just become a, a blob person sometimes we are acting in boring ways and yeah. Um, we're expecting our spouse to fulfill something in us. That's actually our responsibility to, yeah. to deal with. And so, yeah. yeah, I think praying about it, just the act of like being open about what's actually going on before God. And also like, I don't think we talk about this enough in our friendship circles. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. If you have safe friends that aren't going to like be gossiping about you or whatever, like if you have safe people that you could be like, we're going through a time and it is like not very fun right now and maybe it's not crisis but it's just blah like we need to be talking about that because chances are somebody's just coming out of that or somebody has is going into it it's like oh well how are you handling this we can learn so much from each other but outside of that I think that just goes back to um like digging in the dirt a little bit and not Mm -hmm. just smoothing it over right it's fine fine. this is boring but it's fine um don't do that. That's yeah. Look at it. Um, yeah. because I promise it's not as scary as it maybe feels. Yeah. Yeah. So speaking of non-boring, so if somebody was looking for something fun and spicy and different to do on Valentine's Day, you actually did a um seminar on sex yeah. and intimacy for us back in October, I think it was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So talk a little bit about what that seminar was about. It was amazing. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so it's just kind of like a, um, call it like the sex one-on-one course, um, things that we should have learned and didn't. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, th- that would be honestly a great, um, date night. If you are, don't have the funds to get babysitters or don't have, um, uh, don't have eaten out money. Cause good Lord. The- right economy um so do pull you know pull up this seminar it has um I try not to talk for longer than 20 minutes in each little segment and then there's a discussion time and so you can like pause it and then talk to each other and answer learn some new things because I guarantee that your partner's sexual preferences have changed from the time that you got married like probably the things that they are comfortable with, the things they would like to try or the things that they know or didn't know. Or if you're a woman who is born children or is going through perimenopause, your physical body has changed. So yeah, learn, use that and learn something new about your partner. It was so like, I just have to say, so just so everybody that is listening knows that um, the link to purchase that um, seminar is in the show notes. Um, I know my husband and I, you know, obviously I was there working it, but like we participated in it. And I just have to say it 
brought like I it will blow your mind like it is it is definitely not anything that you have heard or understood before and it puts so many words and dialogue to maybe some things that were coming up um in our relationship but we didn't really know how to talk about them and it just created so much dialogue and conversation around like a topic that you're like I don't know how to talk about this um so it's like very inexpensive. Um, I would definitely hop over to the show notes and check it out and you can purchase it off of our website. So like, I don't know, get a, get some dinner or a glass of wine and sit down in front of your computer and do this seminar. Um, you will not regret it. So Ash, thank you so much for being here with us. This is just your wisdom and insight and encouragement is always just awesome. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for joining us on No Heart Left Behind's Hope in the Heart of Family Life podcast. We hope you feel seen, encouraged, and have gained a little more understanding about staying connected to your spouse during the challenging seasons of life. As mentioned in this episode, if you are looking for a fun, insightful, and not to mention inexpensive idea for date night, you're going to want to check out our virtual seminar with Ashley called Bringing Sexy Back, Keys to Good Sex and Intimacy in Marriage. As a board-certified sex therapist, Ashley has so much to offer concerning the topics of sex and intimacy in marriage. Much like this conversation, this is a fun and informative seminar that will provide couples with practical, life-giving information for improving intimacy in your marriage. To purchase the seminar, you can visit our virtual events page on our website, noheartleftbehind.com, or find the link in the show notes. The cost of the seminar is only $10. I attended this live seminar back in October, and I promise it is a game changer and the least boring date night you will ever have. Thank you.